The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Well, good to see you back here on The Pulse. I'm Patricia Falkovic-Kali, your host. Well, I'm sure you have come across the idea of the law of attraction. And if you read about what people actually think, does it work? Does it not work? A lot of people say, oh, it's all kind of stuff. I don't think it works. Never worked for me. Or people say it worked, but does it really? Now, the question is, why is the entire concept of the law of attraction around us for so many years, if not decades, and so many people really not only knowing about it, but knowing that there is a system to attract what is really yours. Now, I'm really excited because we are going to talk about the law of attraction in a slightly different way today with Suzanne Eder. She wrote this fabulous book. What you want wants you, saying yes to desire as a path of awakening. Suzanne, I am super excited to have read your book and have you on the show here on the pod. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. So it's an honor. Thank you. Well, Suzanne, the first thing I stumbled over is your career. Okay, so before we get into this book and the evolution of this book is, of course, a reflection of the evolution of yourself. Yes. You, uh, yeah, you started as a chartered accountant. You, you, you started in the you know, corporate world as a finance director. And all of a sudden, you find yourself to be a coach, a teacher, a mentor, facilitator of spirituality, uh, and mindfulness. You've been on TEDx with a fantastic, fantastic um, headline, The Dark Side of Self-Improvement. Loved it. Almost a million views. So congratulations yes. to that. You're you. columnist. You've already written a book before. But all of this, who is Suzanne Eder to manifest from one manifestation to this manifestation we're going to talk about today? Well, I think as with many people, the that transition occurred because of desire, because I was living a life in accordance with the way I was taught life should be lived, you know, choosing my majors in college, choosing my career based on, you know, the assumption that you had to just choose something practical that would make good money and, you know, all those things, all those ways that many of us were conditioned to think. And meanwhile, though, the, the who of who I am was not feeling... Um, recognized or expressed, I didn't even really know who I was. All I knew initially was that I wasn't happy in the life that I had created. I remember having a moment, I was married at the time and I realized I was in the wrong marriage and had the wrong job. And how did I get so far off track? I just, it was really one of those watershed moments. And um, so it was the, it was the desire, the longing for something more fulfilling that just kept 
you know, nudging me, helping me pay attention to different things and to acknowledge what I truly did want. And that, and that was, that was an evolution. I didn't, I didn't know there wasn't a specific thing I wanted other than that feeling of deep fulfillment. And, and along the way, not, not along the way, since I was a little girl, I just have always wanted to know God. That was just part of my, I wanted to know God. And I, I hadn't through organized religion found any sense of God in that. And so really had walked away for the most part from the church. So the combination of that kind of lifelong uh, yearning, as well as then in my day-to-day life feeling dissatisfaction, that just, that just kept, you know, nudging me in different directions. And it started off actually as uh, I was a fitness instructor for a while, because I I began to notice that I was interested in health and wellness. And so I became a certified fitness instructor and I had my own studio for 13 years. I co-owned it. And I loved that. I mean, that's when I learned that I loved teaching and I loved helping people. And of course, I loved being fit and all these wonderful things. And so that interest in physical well-being just naturally expanded into mind, body, spirit, and then from mind, body, spirit into this larger world of spirituality and consciousness. So it just naturally kept expanding into more and more as I followed the energy. Following the energy is a really good, uh, good hook to get into your book because you have so many concepts that I think people will not necessarily have a, uh, come across before. I mean, you talk about desire, you know, and and what people want, what any of us want sometimes is so difficult to discern, to find out yes. what, who am I, uh, what desires do I have? And am I allowed to have these, these desires? Because usually your personal desires may be just seen as selfish. Talk to us about your definition of what desire is on a personal level and how it falls into what you call the one source in your book. How I see desire, I see desire as literally the the impulse of, of love to move into form, which we call life. And what started that for me was years ago, finding in some spiritual book that I was reading this this concept that the one the one desires to know and experience and express itself through the many. And that was just such a mind expanding, heart expanding concept. And it, for me, it felt immediately resonant and comforting and just absolutely true. And so that, that I just incorporated that from the start. Like this is, this is the essence of this universe. And now actually, you know, in quantum physics, it's, it's being, it's being validated. There's a there's one field, this quantum vacuum. There's one field from which all all creation emerges. And so, whether you use scientific terms or spiritual ones, there's this understanding, deep understanding, that we all arise from the same source. There aren't two sources or three. There's one with infinitely diverse expressions. And so, just as desire gave rise to this universe and everything in it. So it gives rise to our own individual expression. And so desire really is, it's its the life force energy. It's the impulse of love to move into life and to express and experience and share. If you just feel into that, that's inherently generous. That's inherently life-giving. It's inherently connected to all that is. So that's why it's not selfish. When we, when we actually express who we really are and share who we really are with each other, that's how we elevate each other. And this is often mistaken. 
I think yes. in, in, in general, you know, when you talk about one source or oh God, and you can be um, religious or not or spiritual or not. But I think what resonates with everybody is the fact that everything is about energy and yes. you explain it. You explain it so well. And energy really resonates with whatever ethnicity or religious beliefs you have, yes. or have not, you know, how old you are, where you come from. But energy, everybody understands. And I think in your book, what is so fundamental for the overall understanding is that is the space between the atoms. You explain that so well, that we are all about energy that vibrates. And through this vibration, you have this overall energy. And when you explained it, and I just went out for a lunch with a friend of mine who incidentally also read into your book, and we discussed your book over lunch just a couple oh, of hours ago, Suzanne, so I'm really happy about that, that she looked into it. And I said, you know, what I really found fascinating was I imagined the one source being like a big billboard made of LED, little LED lights. Okay, yes. so that's yes. the overall picture and you are an LED light and I'm an LED yes. light. And you have to shine to kind of honor the overall energy. But at the same time, my shine is different from your shine because it needs to be because like this, it becomes a picture. You yes. know, it actually means something. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I had a similar that came to me similarly when I was writing the book. I used one of the chapters, this idea of this tapestry or kaleidoscope of light we're all plugged into the same source. It's the same current flowing through all of us, but how it expresses through each of us is uniquely different. And yes, if we do, if we don't allow that and allow our own unique light to shine, well, then the total tapestry or kaleidoscope doesn't look as beautiful as it could look, right? So yes, I'm with you. I think that's a, just a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah, and I think in terms of the desire in general, it's not our culture to nurture, hey, what is your desire? So yeah. looking at your life path, I thought it was very interesting. You found your desire by finding out what you do not desire because it was in um, disharmony or dissonance um, with whatever you were all about. So yeah. you were saying earlier, I did what I should, but I didn't do good for myself. Can you talk to us through that? How, you know, how long did it take you to really kind of wake up to this uh, dissonance and, and have the courage really to, to question it? Well, it took longer than I, I wish it had. And this is why I'm so uh, passionate to help people recognize sooner that these little moments they have are significant. And in my case, I think I was around... I'm going to say around 30 when I went to this conference that I referenced in the first chapter. And that's, I was still very much in the corporate world, but I had already started my fitness business. So I was already, you know, I had already noticed something that interested me and I gave myself permission to follow it, but it was on the side, right? I had my real job and then I had my little fitness studio on the side, but still that's where my energy really was. And it was my partner in the aerobic studio who invited me to this conference. At this conference, the, the keynote speaker was Shakti Gawain, if you've ever heard of Shakti Gawain. Back in the day, she was quite the, the well-known teacher and you know leader of this new age movement, it was called. And um, when she walked out on stage, I was just struck. I was mesmerized, really, because I could feel her. I could feel her presence and I didn't even have that language at the time in my mind, but I could feel her energy. I could feel her presence and I could feel how peaceful she was. And it was, and there she was just fully embodied. Uh, she was just standing there in her truth and her power and spreading this love all across the room and speaking from this beautiful place. And I just knew that's, 
that's who I am. That's who I can be. That's what I want. Do you know, it, it just awakened this longing in me. I also had this immediate sense, oh, that's who I am, meaning I'm a writer and a teacher. Like I had this whole, you know, download of, of uh, revelationary information came to me all at once. And it was just, it was just a moment, like I shifted, it felt like I shifted dimension. Then I came back into my, you know, normal reality. I, I, I pretty much dismissed it. It was like, that was, I just kind of dismissed it as one of those moments. And then I got back to my real life. So it took me a while, <laughs> I mean, years to, uh, to really understand that those kinds of moments, and I had many of them, but I kept seeing them as isolated things that were just how lovely that they happened to me. I didn't understand that they were really part of a much bigger picture. Just like, you know, this is an overused metaphor perhaps, but it's useful. Like when, when on a cloudy day, all you see are the clouds and they, then they might separate and you see what looks like just a little pinpoint of light, but it's much more than that. It's the whole sky, you know? And I, but I was just looking at these moments of recognition or realization or desire as just little pinpoints, not realizing they were showing me this bigger picture. So it wasn't until I got that. And I got that by just, you know, continuing to follow what interested me, reading the books I wanted to read and going to the workshops I wanted to go to. And I ultimately enrolled in the Barbara Brennan School of Healing in the late 90s. And uh, that's where I learned all about energy. And, and it was just such a, a complete change in my orientation toward life. But all each step I took helped me to understand there's a different way of living life than the way we've been taught and the most fulfilled and generous life we can live is the one where we follow these deeper uh, and more inspired um, insights and revelations why do you think the western world is not following that kind of upbringing right from the beginning because we had eastern asian eastern cultures doing it for centuries Boy, that's a great question. I don't think there's a single or simple answer to that. It's just a combination of um, of thoughts that have been consolidated. And, you know, there's just so many beliefs. But I mean, fundamentally, you know, my the fundamental answer to me is that in the West, for the for in, in large part, we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten our connection with this life-giving force, this energy that sustains all of us. So in, in thinking of ourselves as purely physical beings who have to work and struggle and make things happen, we form a whole, just a whole orientation, a whole set of beliefs that is actually not in resonance with who we really are as energy beings, as vibrational beings uh, who are inherently powerful because we arise from the power that created the universe and everything in it. So it, it, it's just, a, to me, it's just this misunderstanding of who we really are. And that gives rise to so many other assumptions and conclusions that then govern our lives that take us further and further away from who we really are. Yeah. And I think to understand who you really are, I think you speak a lot about awareness, self-observation, self awareness, yes. and is that the starting point where you can really start, um, you know, reflecting, be introspective and just go and listen to whatever is going on, despite what society yes. expects of you? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, back into the, the Western culture is so it's so fast paced. It's, you know, our, our attention is always drawn outward, right? There's so much quote out there that needs our attention. That's, you know, being touted as something we should pay attention to. There's so much activity, physical activity, you know, we have to exercise a certain number of hours a week, but there's just so much to do. And in, in all the doing, it's easy to lose 
connection with the being, the, right? The who we really are. And so, yes, in the absence of some level of introspection and self-connection, and it can look differently for each of us, but that's the key, right? Is to really pause, take a time out and come within and uh, and ask those gentle questions. Who am I really? What am I, why am I here now? What do I most long to create, to share, to experience, to really listen into that heart of hearts? Yeah. And I think this is what you, what your book, what I loved about your book is not only that you talk about the general concept, but you give guidelines on, um, you know, how to go about it, A to C, who am I right now? Who do I want to be? And from that, what are my desires and how can I really get, get closer to it? So let's talk a little bit about the concept of, thought, focus, um, and and also emotions. Perhaps we start mm -hmm. with thoughts because I think this is, everybody can relate to emotions, fair enough, but, uh, you know, emotions are <laughs> very different, as different as we are people when we come to the emotions and how important they are. But I think it all starts with a lot of thoughts, the shoulds, the coulds, the woulds, the ones that I don't want, um, that are usually bit negatively tweaked inherently very confusing and sometimes thoughts are the least helpful of what we are all about first of all thoughts and emotions are really fundamentally two aspects of the same dynamic so we wouldn't have an emotional response if we, if there wasn't something that we were thinking that now when i say thinking it doesn't necessarily mean words or even language but there's all of us have within us uh, assumptions, conclusions, beliefs that we've already accepted. And they're just there. They're just in our energy field. They're just there. And um, it's, it's the meaning that we give things. So we can interpret things, for example, as, oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I, I really messed that up. Those are thoughts that reflect a perspective of ourselves as inadequate or that, you know, as, as an example. So when I say thought, I don't just mean things that we articulate either in our mind or through language, but just these, the, our perspective, our worldview, all of that. And those, the quality, the nature of those thoughts um, is either in alignment with the love that we are, the desires that we have, the, you know, it's either in alignment with who we really are or on the other end of the spectrum, our thoughts are not at all in alignment and they're, they're judgmental, they're harsh, they're, uh, they're diminishing, they're demeaning of ourselves or others. And that's completely out of harmony with who we really, really are. So there's, a, you know, most of us are living, you know, we're kind of shifting along that spectrum or the nature of our thoughts kind of shifts. And the importance of emotion is, the further it, the emotion itself, the how it the, how it feels is an indicator of where we are. So when I'm feeling really peaceful and centered and and loving and generous, I'm pretty close to being in harmony with my pure nature. And when I'm feeling frustrated or you know any of these other things, angry, resentful, depressed, I'm moving further and further away. So the emotions are such an important uh, indicator of the nature of our thoughts. Our emotions are useful because it's sometimes it's easier, as you were saying, it's easier just to notice, God, I feel frustrated. Like we're, we aren't really paying attention to what we're thinking, but we can feel that we we're feeling a little off and that feeling gets our attention because the thoughts are coming and going and coming and going. But the ones that are dominant, the ones that are most active are the ones generating the emotional response. So when we pay attention to how we feel, that's a, oh, wait a minute, why I feel frustrated. 
And here's where there's an art. Sometimes it's helpful to ask, well, why is that so? And to kind of make the link between, well, I was thinking this way and now I feel this way. Sometimes that's really helpful. Sometimes it can be a trap. We just circling around and around and trying to figure it out. I always encourage people when they notice that they're feeling a certain way is first to acknowledge that I feel frustrated. We're not trying to make, make it wrong. I mean, it's, it's vital information. So we want to honor how we feel, acknowledge how we feel, take some breaths and then ask something like, okay, what is this showing me that I really want? Or how do I really want to feel? Just asking ourselves kind, loving questions that'll, that'll start to help us pivot away from the train of thought we were on that was generating discomfort and towards something more loving and more supportive. So that's how I like to think of kind of making course corrections. If we stay close to how we feel, stay self-aware as we move through our day, we can then detect when we're starting to feel a little off. And if and if we catch it, then we can kind of just, you know love ourselves back into something more empowering. If we don't, it can it can build its own momentum, right? I think this dynamics between thought and emotion, you know, emotion creates motion, motion creates emotion. There's always this kind of dynamic, which is awfully interesting. But what I did like about your book was, okay, let's say you're feeling depressed, that uh, you, the feeling is quite quite there I mean it's really you can describe how you how are you today well I'm depressed or I'm frustrated or I'm angry or whatever it's easy for us to actually label it then to ask well what did go through my mind just a second before yeah. so what if I if I may spring this on you Suzanne so if I were if I was your client and I come to you and I say Suzanne look um, I cannot get away from this feeling low all the time. I get up in the morning, I go like, oh my God, but I really feel it. Yes. Okay, you tell me I'm in dissonance somewhere, I'm not living the life I should be, but hello, you know, I'm trapped. So how, take me through the process. What would you do with me? Just, you know, very briefly, what would you take me through in your mentoring, in your in your hour with me to try to know where it springs from, what the triggers are, and how to overcome that emotion by perhaps redirecting the way I perceive things, think about things in general. I always start with self-love. I always start with, you've done nothing wrong. Please don't let yourself believe that because you feel this way that you've done anything wrong. And I just think it's so important, especially with those tender, I'll call them the tender emotions, right? Of, of sadness or, or depression. Uh, oh my gosh, I mean, we, need, we need love all the time, but we, we really benefit by having the intention to always be kind and compassionate with ourselves. And just so I, what, I, what I would start with, if, some, if you were really deeply down, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. You, you can see me doing this a lot of literally making physical contact with our own heart. You would ask me, you would ask me to. I, I would, I would probably at some point I'm in the conversation, sure. I would bring you here and ask you to drop your awareness here. Just acknowledge, I want to feel better. I deserve to feel better. I deserve my own kindness. I am worthy of my own love. I am worthy of my own compassion. And I'm here because at some level, I know that I'm here because I know I can feel better and I deserve to feel better. And I'm willing to learn something new that'll help me get there. 
And then in the conversation, of course, it's you know the, the mentoring is a is an inquiry process, right? It's a conversation. I would want to understand a little more about the nature of their per, your perspective in this example of the world. And um, and then just I, I, you know, I'm just looking, my work is very intuitive. I'm looking for little openings, places where where people are willing to see something differently. Because if they're not willing to see something differently, then it's not. I'm not going to be able to convince them. That's not. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I want to invite them into a more loving, more loving perspective. It is an interesting process. Uh, you know, Daniel, Dr. Daniel Amen, he um, calls them ants, the automatic negative thoughts, and he's built a whole set of clinics around not only brain scans but also in terms of thought management. And I think mind your mind is one of the chapters that that you talk about. And I think it's it's incredibly important to only just recognize what your mind does and the indication therefore as i understood are your emotions now yes. from the recognition of the emotions to okay these are my not very conducive habitual thought patterns around this how do we move then into the, this real transition of you know not always feeling depressed anxious, frustrated, but really kind of making positive changes that then take us into another vibration, which then should be able to attract what we really want, or at least find out what we really want, and then move on yeah. to attracting it. I think that is that is a, a dynamics, you know, you, you want to explain a little bit. This is where I want to bring in the title of the book, What You Want Wants You, because I think what what can happen, what has happened, including in my own life on my on my journey, is I I can this can turn to like a mechanical thing. Oh my, I'm thinking this way, I should think this way, and that's not what my message is. Um, it, first of all, there are no shoulds, but more importantly, this is not a mechanical process. This is a an organic. Um, circular, cyclical, loving process. And so I help people, I would like people to understand that if this is really true, if what I want wants me, like if there's a reflection, I you'll, you'll notice I've used reflection points. I think reflection is, is, is essential. We, you know, we, if we don't reflect on a different view of ourselves, then, then everything we try to do is just mechanical. Right. So, but if you really let yourself, wait a minute, I, if I really were to believe that I'm an expression of source itself, like I am that worthy and I'm that creative and my desires are naturally, they're right here. They want them expressed through me. If I believed that, like just be willing to believe that, right? Be willing to consider that. Like, what could that mean for me? So I think I would, I always encourage people to really reflect, to contemplate, to, you know, to kind of feel into if this were true, what could that mean for me? And just even just doing that, even if you don't have quote an answer, just the, just the reflection itself, the contemplation, the willingness to consider this could be true. It, it starts to open us. It starts to soften, open the heart. So it's it's the very process is one of energetic opening, energetic opening. So that's that's key. It's is is reaching for in a sense, intending to feel. What might it feel like? to be totally at peace? What might it feel like to be so optimistic about my life? And just kind of play with how might that feel? What might that be like? What that might, what that might result in? So, so reflecting on this new worldview, on this new, on this new perspective of who I might really be. And so that's all, I mean, I would, I would want that to be ongoing, but then there is the more like kind of boots on the ground processes of consciously cultivating 
loving, empowering thoughts. So I'm a big fan of using what I call anchor statements or personal mantras. And they could be what you think of as affirmations. They could be a little different, but they're statements of what I call deeper truth. Like a deeper truth is I am fully worthy of all the good life has to offer. What makes them work for us is that at some level we do believe them, right? Like, so if, if, we, if it's just a pretty lame, you know, if it's just a lo lovely statement that we read in the book, it wouldn't necessarily work for us as an anchor statement if we can't feel the truth of it at some level. Mm -hmm. So the key to finding, to cultivating a new mindset is to experiment with concepts, language words that actually do reflect something that feels true to us and that we're willing to believe at least, or that in our moments of enlightenment, we, we have believed, we have known them. So we want to identify certain key uh, mantras, understandings that we can call on in moments where we're starting to wobble and we can just take a couple of deep breaths and pull back and anchor ourselves into the deeper truth. And as we continue to do things like that, and there are many more things, this is just an example, but mm -hmm. the idea being we're cultivating, we're literally now saying, okay, the worldview I had, the, the view of myself I had that had all these pieces to it, um, it came from a fundamental belief that there's something wrong with me. Now I'm gonna, I'm, it's my intention now to live into the deeper truth that there's nothing wrong with me, that I am this beautiful vibrational being, an extension of source. And so now I'm going to cultivate thoughts that harmonize with that. And there, again, there are many ways to do that, but, but really the anchor statements are pretty, they're pretty key in my, in my world. Cause I'm, you know, I am a word person else. If you're yeah. an art, you know, I have a friend who's an artist and, you know, she thinks and images and, mm -hmm. and that's, that's great. You can have anchor images, right? You can have, you, it doesn't have to be words, but, but the feeling is what's really key. The feeling is the, the idea of the anchor statement is it's actually helping to evoke yeah. Yeah. a feeling, a state of being. Absolutely. And I think uh, anchor statements or anchor anchor movements uh, is something, you know, I'm studying uh, for a diploma in NLP and hypnotherapy right now, uh, very fundamental. But I think, uh, you know, if somebody feels constantly they are not enough or they are unworthy to then have, um, you know, the positive affirmation, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, uh, is, is a tough call. Is a tough it is call. a tough call. Yeah, because I think you do have internal dissonance and the vibration is just not, you are just not there of what you should be, you know, uh, thinking or feeling. So that transition is, I think, an evolution. And yes, positive statements or anchor statements do help, but there's a lot of work to it. And I think this is something that comes through in your four portals of transformation, um, which I thought in, in the third part of your book, which are really um, very important for levels. You, you talk about awareness. We talked about this in our conversation already. Then the intention. And intention you describe as having that desire and saying yes to yes desire. To yeah, and, and, and it's uh, also in hypnotherapy, yes, and now uh, amongst the most powerful words you need to you need to use in hypnotherapy, for example, to just move anything within, within your, your client. Then willingness. Again, I thought that was yes. very, very important. You know, the development of habits just to be able to let go of what was, you know, part of you from whenever you were trained, drilled or educated by your environment, be it the private one, be it the scholastic one, and, and just endorse, develop and endorse new habits and you call them life pulses. Now, before moving on to the fourth, um, you know, portal of transformation, this life pulse, 
talk us through this because again you are very you know i can't tell you an accountant it all looks like a balance sheet at times in your book and it's like okay am i reading a financial statement here of a company or am i reading your book which i think though is very helpful so this life pulses because they they encapsulate somehow a concept of what i should be feeling should be thinking or at least a guide on impulse towards it i rarely use the word positive, I should think positively, because that can get us in trouble. So I always encourage people to think lovingly, look for loving, supportive, empowering perspectives, mm -hmm. perspectives, because, because if we think in terms of positive, negative, that's probably, what got, that's what got us in this trap to begin with is this whole polarity of right, wrong, good, bad. And we want to move away from that. So I encourage people to think in terms of cultivating loving, empowering thoughts. Um, now, a life pulse is uh, a term that just represents kind of the nature of the creative energy of life. So it doesn't go in a straight line. It it pulses. You know, energy has has waves. And if you look at it this way, it's, you know, so there's there's stasis, expansion, stasis, contraction, like the like the beat of our heart, right? The, you know, the ebb and flow of the ocean, the in and out of the breath, you know, inner stasis, expand, hold outer stasis. So there's always this, this is how, this is how growth and evolution occurs. It occurs in cycles and phases that are, that have these four components. And if we don't understand that, um, we can inadvertently make things a lot harder for ourselves. You know, for example, the expansion phase is generally the phase of action. You know, like if you think of a project, I have an idea, I move into action, some level of completion is reached, I enjoy this, and now I have new ideas. Let me go back in and see what else could be changed. You know, so there's this there's this, this iterative thing, right? Um, however, in this Western world, for the most part, we only really like the expansion phase. We don't even understand the value of the other uh, phases, right? So we're in it. We're so we keep pushing. You know, we're in action, and and rather than allowing the creative pulse itself to 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 invite us to pause or invite us to go in, um, we just keep we we become machines. We keep just acting, pushing, and then we're frustrated and we don't know why things aren't working. And it's because we're we haven't honored our own rhythm, the rhythm of life moving through us. And we can't do that without the awareness piece that we talked about, right? It, it's all tied together. So in the okay. end, if, yeah. if we're not aware, if we're not self-aware of where the energy is, you know, when there's no energy for something, that's when we're supposed to stop. Pause you know, and ask some questions. And, you know, that's the, that's always the invitation to go within, which is the, which is the contraction phase or the, the compression phase in not meaning uh, down, not meaning depressed, but inward into our inner knowing, right? Like just coming in yes. to consult yes. our inner knowing, right? So we can get new insights, fresh inspiration, and then we can go back out again. So yes, um, that's how that's how I in a very very quick nutshell define the life pulse. Yeah, which I think should already be taught to children in school. You know, the self awareness and that you know dreaming or being with yourself is extremely creative. And actually, in your book, I loved it—the trinity of creation, idea, energy, manifestation—and yeah. we'll touch on it uh, in a little while. And I think the over the overall is again the one source, the entire energy. Below that is basically you as a part, the desire, and then in order to get that desire manifested yes. it has to have the ideation then putting and pushing the energy in but not in a in the grinding western world kind of way 
to then to manifest and the manifestation is then the the attraction part before before we getting yes. into this though the fourth portal of yes. transformation. So my community doesn't say, hey, you promised us. You forgot one, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I get a nasty comments, which luckily I don't have many, uh, is practice. And I, I love this one that you included the skill to change uh, the habit. And it is through repetition. Because one thing I said to my daughter, who also read the book, Law of Attraction, I said, you know, a big part of the word, word attraction is action. And I think you're alluding, you're alluding to that. Yes, we have to actually do something differently than we've been doing it, but it's not necessarily the physical doing, it's this inner shifting. And that does require intentionality. It requires all those things. I'm, I'm willing, like I, I know I get triggered around this, but I, and I know that I've already intended, like I, okay, I really want to feel differently about this. I don't, I want to feel more at peace. So we have to, that's our, that's the intention. Like when we say, yes, I really do want this. And the and then the willingness is that I'm willing to move through my life. And when I get triggered or however you want to use that, you know, think about this, I'm willing to practice pausing, stepping back, taking a deep breath, coming into my heart. So, and there, I mean, there are other practices, but yes, there, it does require something, right? We have to do something differently than the way we've been doing it in order to cultivate this new uh, energy field. We're literally changing the quality of our energy field, our consciousness Which in doing these things. Us ultimately, you know, how we go about the world, how we respond rather than react, how to listen to ourselves first rather than to just listen to the cacophony of other people uh, talking to us. And in terms of um, manifestation, let's quickly go into this trinity of creation. Yeah. Now, uh, I think this is what everybody's after if they pick up a book like yours if they pick up a book like the law of attraction is that they say like okay i just want to i want to finally have what i've been desiring or think i've been desiring if it wasn't an imposter then really um how do they get there how do you really make this this energy i understood the vibration i get it now i'm at the point where thoughts and emotions are starting to get better so i'm starting to vibrate different into this world when do you know it's going to happen? When do you know that, you know, it's the time that manifestation will happen or that you will be manifesting yourself in what you wanted? It's all about your feeling state. And again, this is why I, this is the one hesitation I have about even talking in terms of manifestation only because it can become this, it can just become a rather than working hard the way I was trained to work hard to reach a goal. Now I'm going to use these energy techniques to reach a goal, but that's, I'm offering a different, whole different perspective, which is there, the goal is not out there. The desire, everything we want already exists. It It isn't out there to get, yeah, but or even, or, or, or it, it isn't even out there to, to pull. It's heat, it's vibrating here. It's desire. It's life itself pulsing and vibrating within us and all around us. So it's more of opening to it. It isn't about, mani it is manifesting. I mean, that is manifestation. We're opening and then allowing this energy to become so strong that we can perceive it physically. That's manifestation, but it's almost better to think of it as realization because yeah. manifestation has come to mean this other thing that I'm not really encouraging people to think in terms of. Thank you. It's Thank more you. about opening. So the Trinity of creation is all about cultivating the openness. So you're right. So we have, so here's one source, desires are bubbling up through us and they, they, we recognize them. That becomes, that's the idea. We, we recognize it. We give it some 
we identify, we acknowledge, right? We say yes to it. And uh, and the medium through which we uh, it comes to us is energy. And so this is our role then is to find a way, is to find ways to open our energy fields, to bring harmony in our energy fields, in, harmony with those desires. So then they can be realized, manifested by us. So it's a much, it's, it's a process like this more than like this, right? And how we know we're getting close is that we just feel, we feel better more and more of the time. We feel more centered. We feel more peaceful. We feel more grounded. We feel more trusting in the goodness of life. We feel like things are always working out. So uh, we, when you start to, even, even before things, specific things manifest, what's manifesting is the way we feel. And that's so key. That's one of those things I wish I'd known earlier because we, you know, we have these moments of feeling good, but then we immediately go to, oh, but these things I want aren't here yet. Well, now we're back in lack. Now we're back in separation. It's like, no, they are here. They're right here in my energy field. I'm going to relax more. I'm going to open more, let more in. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said something, you know, in, in terms of manifestation. I mean, if I think about manifestation in NLP, you you work with the resourceful state, um, trying to get the resourceful state into a moment of where you feel unresourceful or below par or without energy. And you're trying to swish it or to swap over, bring the good vibrations, as to say, into a situation where you may feel anxiety, for example. So there are, there are clear tools to do it. But the fundamental point, I think I heard you say right now, manifestation is actually for you to change what you do. Now you have a change in feelings, you have a change in thoughts, you have a change in vibration, and the manifestation is what you do with it, how you implement. I mean, I'm a doer, so I'm like, okay, that's great. Now let's implement, let's do, and let's see what we can do with it. And I think what the misconception often is about the law of attraction, it sounds so, so passive but it's not, you need to really, you make the change. And, uh, you know, first internal, and then you put it into practice. This is how I think that what, what really then manifestation is that you do it, you respond rather than react in the same situation. A year ago, you would have done X, Y, Z. Now you do it differently. You endorse and you, you move forward in a different way. Meaning that A, it's different. B, it might feel better. And C, so you do create a different reality to what you created a year ago. I see it as a both and. I actually, uh, I think mo in general, people are a little too action oriented in terms of what we said before. They just go do and do. They don't allow that inner reflection time. So for me, uh, this idea of the law of attraction is a reminder. I don't have to do so much. I can, the doing that I'm really doing is an undoing. I'm undoing those yes. old ways of thinking and I'm cultivating. So there is a, there's an intentionality. There is a practice. Um, I personally step away from using the word doing just because it's associated in my, in me, not, not you're so, we're so different. This is all the ways that we're different. Right. Um, but in me and in people I've worked with, it's people want to jump right into action. Well, I don't have enough money. I better do something. I better. And that's how they think of doing as jumping into action and that's when we miss the opportunity to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about, I don't have to work that hard. What I want wants me. What I want is right here wanting to come out. So it's more about relaxing and allowing 
It's relaxing and allowing. And yes, but then, then the actions become fun. Then it's inspired action. Then it's like, oh, then I get to talk to this person. Oh, now I get to meet. It's just a different That's type exactly. of action, right? Exactly. Different type of action. exactly. And this is exactly where I want to pick you up on because I think, yes, I know when we talk about action, it's kind of like being the super cheeses and not kind of hammering on whatever our emotional state. Okay. Yes. But we don't talk about this. What we talk about is, you know, Suzanne Eater from becoming, you know, being an accountant, uh, you know, a high level financial director in the corporate world to opening a fitness studio, um, writing books about well-being, you know, writing columns and just being, you know, going on a four year study about wellness uh, in that particular school. It, that is action. I'm sorry. Yes. You you manifested yes. whatever was, you know, the outcome of your introspection of allowing this, hey, yes. you know, what is my true desire? This is what I meant with manifesting. Yes. No, that's it's good. It's good to really clarify that because that's the thing that makes some of this tricky is we all use the same words to mean different things and we use different words to mean the same things. But but, but here's the thing in this and the orientation that I'm offering that you're, you know, many of us are, is that the action then is the fun part. It's not the, I got to do it this. It's right for the first time. So it comes easier. It comes easier. And it feels like, okay, this, I look, I get to enjoy, like this is, I'm a physical being. So I get to enjoy this kind of action, this kind of experience that I'm actively in, not because I have to do it because something bad will happen if I don't, but because this is how what I want is expressing through me. No, no, I absolutely love this. And I'm, I'm so happy you say that because- uh, what I always talk about with people is um, like within hypnotherapy, people go like, oh, you're going to have control over me. I said, no, oh. <laughs> you know what, you know, a hypnotherapist can only bring out what is already in you. It's like quantum physics. Okay. Yes. So you manifest what out there is already happening. You just focus on it. And with that, it becomes realization, the same thing in hypnotherapy. So um, this is like one of those, I think parallels here. You turned journaling into what I call active journaling. And that's my own. I mean, if you look yeah. at journaling, you know, in the book, it's uh, on page 206. I, I love the process um, because when I look back at my journal, Suzanne, I'm like, oh my God, how embarrassing. You know, I'm going to keep them, but I hope nobody is going to find them. You know, it's like so embarrassing. And, and, and I don't think out of, you know, vomiting all of that crap on pages that, it didn't mean any good at the end of the day, but you found a very interesting way. Do you want to talk us through us? Yeah, thank you. That's so great. I love that you picked up on that because I have the same. Well, I think I, I might have even referenced that in the book. I remember one because I was doing the same thing. I was using my journal as like a, a place to just vent or to like, oh, my God, I'm something. So many things are going wrong. And I remember one year I read my own journal and I thought, well, no wonder. I mean, how can I expect to have a thriving business if this is the way I'm, th you know, it was just, that was sort of like one of those light bulb moments, right? So I've, I've decided, I think I might've decided around then to use my journaling as this is one of, my, one of my practices, one of my ways that I'm cultivating a more loving perspective on things. So I will, I will sometimes still, if I, if something is really, I just can't quite sort it out, I'll write it down as it is, or as I'm perceiving it, just so I can get it what am I looking at here? How can I, and how can I see it differently? So, uh, but mostly I'm using the journal as an opportunity to practice 
new ways of thinking and and perceiving and new perspectives so that I, because uh, I, Chris, for me, writing, and I still write with my, with a pen, with my journal, you know, but it can work on, you know, on a keyboard. Um, so just like what the act of writing is itself a physical act. So as we write, it's helping to anchor, it's a different way of anchoring in, right? These, these new perspectives that helping us to embody them by writing them. Yeah. So I, I have different, different practices. Um, one that was, I included in the book was something is really, if your mind is really all over the map about something and you're just trying to sort something out and uh, go ahead and write it all down the way you're thinking of it. Don't, don't try to quote, be positive, just get it all down, but then come back with the eyes of love and say, okay, if, sentence by sentence, is this helpful? Is this empowering? Is this loving? And if it is, put it over here. And if it's not, so just kind of separating the wheat from the chaff, right? Just separating the loving from the unloving. And then what you end up with is, is a series of loving statements that forms the kernel of a new perspective on this problem or the, or the situation. And I've never come across this practice. I love it. I really put it, put it like, like in a little chart. Okay. You scribble everything down. Then you look at does this one help me in where I want to be and how I want to feel? Uh, does it not? And does this one? And then you can stay with the positive, get rid of the negative, and then accumulate the positive as if that was your journal for the day. And exactly. with that, you move on to the next day. Yes. And I just thought, yes, because there, first of all, years down the line, it's not so embarrassing. <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> you know, like a little pathetic droplet somewhere. Um, and, and second of all, it really is uh, building momentum to more and more focus on what you've got. Because you wrote, even in your depressed or low state, you wrote something positive. And that brings me to, to another thing, which I thought was interesting, that you do not believe in gratitude. You believe in something else. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I um, I believe in appreciation, or I I, I prefer the concept and feeling of appreciation. And, and again, this could be a place where we're, we're all using the same words to mean slightly different things. But in general, I have found, both for me and others, that, that the word gratitude, the concept of gratitude, almost always includes this other, like we're grateful because something bad that could have happened didn't happen. Or we're grateful because, whew, we got through that difficult time. So, so in the word, we have the vibrations of both what is wanted and what is not wanted. So it's it's a bit of a mixed vibration it's like whew, you know dodge that bullet i'm so grateful uh so there's so that that kind of a concept is still furthering a belief in uh separation a belief in lack a belief in limitation like oh that horrible thing could have happened and it didn't so we're still thinking of horrible things so appreciation is just more pure it's like wow in this moment i just so the sunshine is just feels so good on my face um, you know, it isn't like I'm grateful because yesterday it was raining. It's just right here in this moment, I feel I really enjoy this and I feel appreciation. It's just a more pure vibration. No, I like it. And I think that is something that everybody can relate to. So however, um, you know, you don't feel that you have anything to be grateful for, but you can appreciate certain things. And you just mentioned the now. And, you know, Eckhart Tolle, he's, I would say, the guru of you know, now. the now. And and he's so right, I think, um, when he says, you know, the now is really what creates our tomorrow and is creating our past yes. at the same time. And this is yes. why this awareness piece is so fundamental to anything, to us, you know, to life and to, to moving forward. Yes, 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 yes. It's our creative power 
exists only in the now. And I think that is, again, if I think about a layman that is not so um, so aware or into meditation or self-awareness, is to segue them in with the concept of now. So when I spoke to a couple of people about awareness, they were like, oh my God, what is it? Okay, I'm aware, I've got red nails, I've got this, I've got that. Oh yeah, okay. But, you know, in the now, which is, you know, how are you now? Where are you now? What are you doing now? And then you kind of really analyze the now. And so, where, you know, do you feel good now? Or how do you want to feel that? Well, the way you want to feel uh, in a moment depends on, you know, what you do, what you think, what you act out right now, or how you respond right now. And I think with the with the now, it, people understand now more than awareness. <laughs> it's somehow, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, you're right. There's so much of this. When I was writing my book, I was one of my challenges was how to sequence it because in my mind it's all it's all this. Yeah. And every, everything's everything's related yeah. to everything else. And it's like, oh, gee, how do I turn this circular thing into a linear progression? Because you're right. You, you can you can come in at any point. You can come in through an understanding of now, or you can come in through an understanding of emotion. Like any one of these elements that we've touched on could be the portal for someone to have a oh, I could respond differently through focusing on my emotions, or I could respond differently by thinking of the, mo the now moment. Any of them are openings to this larger perspective. Suzanne, last question. Um, if you had to give three key, um, not, not points of advice, but points to start with, to kind of start the journey of accepting desire, finding out one's true desire, not the imposture or paste over desires, and then how to then really go about to manifesting it. If you had to give us three points, what would they be? I guess what comes to mind first is just to, to, to be willing to know that you are wholly worthy, to be willing to know that you are literally an expression of source expressing through you. That's how important you are, to be willing to consider that, like that that you are wholly worthy and wholly loved. That has to be somewhere in the three here, you know, if, if not all three, and it's said different ways. <laughs> so that piece of like the who, who we are. And maybe this, so the follow-on is that, uh, and the opportunity here is to learn how to love yourself forward, not push yourself forward. So just having that thinking in terms of how do I love myself into a life I love, as opposed to how do I get a life I love? How do I, so just even having that simple shift in language and orientation can be huge. How do I learn to love myself forward? Mm -hmm. And I guess third would be this understanding of energy and vibration that we are energetic beings. We are vibrational beings in a vibrational universe and vibration has certain properties. And so be willing to learn about uh, energy and vibration and, and how that, how your own thoughts and feelings um, are shaping the experience that you're having as a vibrational being. No, I love this. I think absolutely fundamental points. And in, when it comes to vibration, I always think it is so funny because, you know, if you walk around, you think, okay, I've got a positive vibration now. Let's see what happens. Not much happens, but if you, <laughs> if you put that into, okay, I'm going to smile at people like randomly. So you walk past somebody, you give them a smile, you have the cashier there instead of just looking. Yes, you know, yes. You smile. And all of a sudden you see like people smiling back now, yes. right? Right. One could argue, okay, where well, they're just responding, they're mirroring what you do. Um, but do they, or don't they, because a smile, it took energy. So it emanates energy. So that is really then what is in the air and then potentially being perceived. Some people don't smile back. 
very few though. So I think this is again, a very good opener to illustrate a little bit what it actually means to vibrate on a different level and what it means to then perhaps, you know, attract or get back a similar kind of energy. Well, I will say, I agree with you hundred percent. And I've also experienced just focusing on feeling good and not necessarily thinking of changing specific actions, but noticing that the better I feel, the better life flows. Traffic flows better. I get more green lights. People are kinder to me. I get the best sales clerks. I get, it just, if you start to notice that, it's really important to notice that. Like the better I feel, the better life goes. Maybe not, not, not the granular, I feel good. Some, it isn't not in, in the minute by minute, but just as a general, you just start paying attention, you know? The, the more I can stably maintain a good feeling state of being and play, then I can start noticing that more and more loving and wonderful things happen. And I feel like I'm being generous. I'm sharing my, my energy with the world. And I call it, we're actually feeding into the grid of human consciousness. When we're vibrating like that, we're literally making it easier Exactly, people, because it right? feeds back. Exactly, it's yeah. like a smart grid. It feeds back. And, you know, in hypnotherapy, we have the ego strengthening routine. Don't kill me for it. I didn't name it, okay? But it's the ego strengthening routine. And what it basically is, is getting exactly people to learn this vibration, to feel good about themselves. And all of a sudden, that really then impacts a certain change in their environment, which feeds back to them. Hey, yes. you know, wow, I feel better. And this is how, like, it yes. Yes, exactly. Super powerful. Like you. Like you. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, Patricia. This has been a joy. I knew it would be, and I'm I'm so thrilled to have been here. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Um, Well, I can only say, please get Suzanne's book, um, What You Want, Once You depends on you a bit of work definitely saying yes already an action you may take to desire as a path of awakening. Path again means. Nothing is instant, no instant gratification, but a path to awakening is something. If you put in a little bit of something for you, there will be a lot for everybody around you coming back to you again. So thank you, Suzanne. Total pleasure. And thank you also to my On The Pulse community. Thanks for being with us, sharing again a super conversation this time with Suzanne Eder. Please, if you like this, uh, this episode, give me a like. Please subscribe. I'm really not used to always asking this, but hey, listen, if you like what we are doing, be with us in the community. There's lots more to come. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tollison, we will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.